Hello and welcome to Crazy Russians in DevOps podcast, where we're talking about all things DevOps, from technology to culture, with heavy Russian accent. Hi, this is Victor Gamma, and in this episode of Crazy Russians in DevOps, I'm interviewing my former colleague Neil Avery, and uh, we are talking about all things DevOps in the world of event streaming platforms, how people use Kafka, how people deploy it across multiple environments, um, and other things, how do people interact with different teams. Another thing that I will be speaking at the Swamp Up this year and uh, we'll be talking about the same subject in more details. If you're interested in a Swamp Up, which is going to be a virtual event this year, you can find the link in the show notes of the show. Now, enjoy the episode and I'll see you next one. Hello and welcome to this episode of uh, Crazy Russians in DevOps, the podcast where we're talking about all things DevOps from culture to technology. I decided to change this to the tagline because I think the culture still uh, should be first thing rather than technology because technology will change, but uh, attitude and culture cannot be changed very, very easy. And today I have uh, with me my uh, friend and my coworker, uh, Neil Avery from uh, beautiful, sunny London. Thank you, Victor. I'm very happy to be here. Um, it's not raining in California, so... So it's all good. when it's not raining in California, we're just uh, sitting in office in the recording podcast instead of sound bathing and uh, enjoying the beautiful California weather. That comes later. So, Neil, um, uh, tell my uh, listeners, uh, what do you do at uh, Confluent and uh, how is your work related to the things that we're going to be discussing, specifically um, DevOps aspects? Sure. Yeah. Um, I work in the office of the CTO, um, which is... I guess somewhat of an unusual role. It means I get to look at a lot of research. I get to understand where I think technology is going. But part of the reason I'm in the office of the CTO is I have a long history of working in large-scale distributed systems. And most of those, probably in the last six or seven years, have been focused on Kafka. And uh, one of those interests is how do we make the world better at using Kafka? And I think DevOps is, is one of these fundamental underpinnings that make an organization efficient. Um, and, yeah, so Kafka, in the way that it radically transforms the organization, the organization all also need to understand how to use Kafka properly. So in this case, today, we're going to be talking about not only DevOps, but also the Kafka aspect of DevOps, because um, just a reminder for, for our listeners who never... Um, for some reasons, attended any my presentation or some presentation from other uh, Confluent folks. So we're trying to make a uh, the streaming platform um, that can be used in a basically heart of every organization. So in order to fulfill this mission, we're trying to um, implement and provide different tools, um, provide the best practices, uh, and uh, explain how the things. Uh, we think should be done, um, especially when the organization is heading to more real-time approach of consuming and exchanging data. And this is why the Kafka is is something that they want to talk about this about this with us. So, and um, it's you know 
pretty much everyone can invent their own uh, um, terms like DevSecOps when you want to yeah. talk about the secure DevOps. Like I, I want to talk about DevCavCops, right? So we're going to be talking what kind of challenges and uh, what kind um, uh, I think like maturity levels company can go through uh, implementing uh, Kafka as a tool for organizational exchange of information or mm-hmm. like how to, they can stream information within organization. So, um, as, as we know, like the, the DevOps, it's not only tools, like everything needs to start with a mindset, right? Yeah. So w- what, like when you're talking to customers, so in, in this case, um, since you're working on office, it's your, you talking to like a C-level, uh, leaders, uh, who, run this uh, digital transformation, run this uh, um, transformation of the teams to be more like, collaborative and uh, move faster mm-hmm. and hopefully not breaking many things uh, yeah. along the way. So what is, um, what is the current, um, not the challenge, what's the, what's the current like, uh, state of the world in, uh, in uh, organizations that try to implement this uh, streaming services yeah, and yeah. Uh, Im- implement those efficiently? I think what's probably most interesting is a lot of technology that we've been building for the last 10 years is being thrown away. You know, we're moving to event streaming applications and we're building those around Kafka. And probably what's also really interesting about this is when we look at DevOps and Kafka, DevOps, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head and, and, and starting out by talking about culture is probably the most appropriate thing because DevOps, I think, is more about organizational culture than anything else. Um, so we can provide the tools to enable you to do DevOps. And like many things in IT, there's no one hard, fast definition of DevOps. And I, I really like this, this really old page from the Agile admin, which talks about what is DevOps. And it goes through SecOps and data ops and all these other ops things. But really, DevOps is a bit like what you make it within the organization. And that's why when we talk to these C-level folks, everyone's got their own agenda. Yeah. how they're trying to transform. Yeah. But we can provide the tooling. They can build the culture. But the other aspect that really shapes what it looks like is the technology. And technology is changing massively at the moment as we move towards event-driven architectures. So everyone's trying to go cloud-native. Everyone's driving infrastructure as code. We've got Helm, Helm charts, driving Docker and Kubernetes. Um, and all of these things are great because they support the semantic of how we think DevOps should be done right. You did you didn't mention serverless because like uh, I'm just hitting, sitting here and crossing my like uh, BS bingo. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All yeah. these uh, nice things that about DevOps and uh, uh, Kubernetes and containers we already mentioned, and the serverless is is also <laughs> becoming quite popular and quite yeah. um, appealing for certain uh, organizational units to to implement certain things. I think the opportunity with Kafka is is more around the, the nature of building event-driven systems. They allow you to decouple components. So when we talk about event-driven microservices, we we we, we group a, a, a chunk of them together to mm-hmm. into a bounded context. Yeah, and that bounded context has a business function. So you might have logistics or payments and represented as a series of event-driven microservices. But the nice thing about that is the decoupling. And when you can decouple a functional unit that a team might focus on, mm-hmm. they can build their own CI/CD pipeline. Yeah. Um, and that decoupling means then you can move your DevOps and your automation towards continuous delivery, mm-hmm. which is aspirational. Yeah. It also means you can start to build 
systems that you never have to turn off. You know, 24 by 7, nine, five nines or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and it also fits very well with this concept of streaming because you yeah. don't know where the data will end and mm-hmm. like when you expect this uh, unbound stream of data, uh, you know, stop arriving. Yeah, so that's yeah. why like real time and uh, 24 by 7 never, you know, never off yeah. multiple nines. <laughs> yes, as many nines as you can get. I think the other aspect is, you know, there's always every 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 organization has a different culture, but it also has a, a different set of tools and strategies that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So they might say we want to do CICD, continuous delivery, mm-hmm. but they all have their own set of their tool chain that fits with their organization. Yeah. What are they are they running on Jenkins, um, cruise control, or what are they running on? Um, and then control is already like very old forbidden words and some veterans of DevOps can remember this, this yeah. thing. But we still remember, we still remember, uh, the young kids who are doing DevOps these days in, uh, you know, the cloud, the CI, CD tools, like, That's uh, true. like a Travis circle or, yeah. as we mentioned. But uh, maybe that's my that's from my ThoughtWorks days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going back going back quite a while. I think the other thing is you know understanding how to use Kafka in the context of DevOps um, is really important. Mm-hmm. It's a really important decision mm-hmm. to make. It's not just saying to everyone, "Hey, go and use Kafka, go build some Kafka streams, stream processing microservices, and it's all going to be um, you know yeah, better browsers." Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not going to be. Easy. You need to you need to approach it with an, an idea as to, to how to build an event driven system, how to model it, and then let that flow through into the the organizational structure in the team. Yeah. So in this case, this uh, the, the maturity of culture that I start um, yep. the conversation is that um, there's some level where like one team start uh, testing Kafka just to do. For example, ingestion to some some system. They just uh, mm-hmm. uh, not coding anything, right? They mm-hmm. just use uh, off the shelf components. They maybe yeah. um, do some uh, data replication. So one of the teams that I um, I was talking during my like professional services days, they just want to do replication to the cloud. Yep. So one of the uh, things how they can like fit this, one of the POCs that they're trying to implement is they want to be um, um, the self-serving. Uh, organization, so don't, they don't want to like spend uh, money or like plan money for like buying hardware and wait when the hardware arrives. They want to move these uh, some of the functions to the cloud, like yeah. uh, some of the implementation. So they use just simply Kafka. In this case, it's just a um, data pipeline. This is how mm-hmm. like everything starts. Mm-hmm. Another thing, how the people might start with this like, like very beginning is just to like ingest the logs from the system into Kafka. Right. Yeah. And after that, using maybe Elastic or maybe using Splunk to do um, um, the search of this log or like a real time monitoring. Yeah, I think that, that that's quite key. You know, there, there's a, Kafka has a very broad number of use cases, and and you know, selfishly, I can talk about my experiences. Yeah, and, and please do, and, uh, of course. And, and I'm I'm a software engineer by background um, with way too many years under the belt. So so when I start thinking about Kafka. You know, my my DNA is I start thinking about unit testing and, and functional testing, and and with with something like Kafka Streams, we we we've got the topology driver, mm-hmm. which allows you to run a, a Kafka Streams topology without actually having Kafka or Zookeeper or anything else like that yeah. um, as, as the first step. As the first step, exactly. Yeah, so you can do your assertions and your validation. So that runs within a you know a, a, a J, J unit test or something yep. like that, um, and then you can move forward. Just 
from that to make it a bit more functional so you can run embedded Kafka yep. and embedded Zookeeper. Um, and then as you go down your traditional test CI, CD pipeline, you go from unit to your functional testing, which we just talked about, mm-hmm. then to your integration testing, yeah. um, and then to environment testing and smoke and performance testing. As you move further along that, your your environment becomes more real. Yeah. Um, and that's where you start to rely more heavily on automation. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing about Kafka being a data-centric product is it's very good at moving data around, mm-hmm. and that's why you're using it in the first place. So when you start building these types of environments, you set up um, test data, mm-hmm. sample data that's going to assert validations against your integration tests. So you can set them up, scale it, run the integration tests, and then at the end of the integration tests, you can run a script which, which will do a validation mm-hmm. that the results yeah. are there. And then ultimately, as you said, in the cloud, you want to be able to run this in parallel. Yeah. You know, you're after uh, quick cycles for delivery. Or you want to have a different environment. So you start in development, but in development, you also want to use some data, that real data that comes from production. Obviously, it's kind of obfuscated. It doesn't have um, real numbers, doesn't have a user data, but at least developers need to have this data. This is where um, the, the, the tools and automation that, in some, somehow, like we provide, right? So mm-hmm. in this case, like if you do a synchronization of environments, you can use either Mirror Maker or use Replicator. Yeah. Um, if you want to have like same um, approach, so to, to, to because it's 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 a streaming, right? So it's not like okay, we dump some data in database, so go play around with this data. Mm-hmm. Um, the the challenge of develop this kind of application and uh, dealing with this kind of use case is obviously uh, what kind of data we're dealing with, right? So we yeah. can unit test as much as we want. We can even run this in the embedded mode, but as soon as we uh, don't have like appropriate data for, for yeah. testing, it's, uh, it would be not useless, but at least it would be not very realistic and you will yeah. not be able to fully embrace all like a pipeline from, from development to the production through cycles exactly. of testing. So you kind of get into the, the space of data ops for, for your CI, CD pipeline. How do yes. I, how do I pull this set, set of cleansed production data, um, into my pipeline mm-hmm. and how do I script that up? So then I can scale it up, run my tests and then do another validation. And the validation might be, um, Asserting that the data that's come out of the system matches the the, the data that you're pulling with your data ops, just doing a, a verification, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's something that can scale quite widely. I think the other thing that's interesting as we've got more into this world of data and um, and DevOps is, you know, we've gone through this process of um, backtesting um, large loads. You know, sometimes you need to backtest massive volumes of production data in, mm-hmm. in order to get sign off and to go into production, and then you got other things like data quality. But the other thing that's really interesting is because we're talking about event-driven decoupled systems, we really have this ability to, to move towards evolvable architectures, mm-hmm. um, rolling restarts, uh, fault injection, scale-out testing, now that yeah. we're getting more more savvy with cloud, and the operations around that and building that into um, a more modern um, build pipeline, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty awesome. So, uh, since we're talking about uh, the data ops uh, world, so we, we talk about some of the data challenges. Um, I want to 
us to talk a little bit about the another aspect of data is is more like a data governance. So we're trying to establish this uh, communicational aspect between different uh, di- different uh, components of this like a streaming platform or this uh, stream- not components like uh, compo- applications that use the streaming platform. Now mm-hmm. um, we establish uh, certain rules. We want to scale that not from perspective of the hardware and software. We want to scale this within organization. So we start. Um, from uh, from small use case, we implemented this on the streaming platform. Other teams saw this, um, you know, success. They want to use like similar approach, similar, even maybe same data, mm-hmm. because Kafka allows to like fan out data. Like mm-hmm. once we implement one use case, for example, offload some of the um, legacy system into Kafka, we enable more use cases for other other teams. So in this case, we're also enabling this. Uh, uh, we need to find a way how we can share not only data but also metadata about the data and how they can discover this um, um, yeah. this metadata. So, can you uh, can you talk about this uh, um, schema schema evolution, schema registries, and things there's like a bunch that. of stuff around that. And uh, yeah, you know, data governance it starts with with schemas and schema registries, and and you know, Avro is 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 what we'll rely on for mm-hmm. to allow that data to shape over time, uh, change its shape over time. Um, but the other aspect that often gets forgotten is, is as we move to something of a central nervous system where we can scale across the organization is how do we organize um, topics? Mm-hmm. How do we organize the hierarchy of topics? I mean, topics are, are up to you to name, but that also enables you to to discover the structure of the organization mm-hmm. um, and to build a template around that. So when you're looking for data, you can navigate the structure a bit like a file system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, that can identify regions, it can identify business units, and then that off the back of that, you can have ACLs. Um, and the ACLs you can use to blacklist. Which is the access uh, control lists that allow yep. to uh, distinguish or like restrict access to certain data that you know some of the Teams may or may not want access it's, it's, it's to. It's a favorite. It's a favorite. Um, it's a favorite topic. Like uh, S in DevOps uh, mm-hmm. means security, which mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. This is this is why we have a DevSecOps because there was <coughs> one of the things was missing from uh, from initial um, conversation when we were talking about um, the. DevOps uh, in organizations like okay so as usually security comes <laughs> last yeah but yep. in uh, in the world where we have this uh, the massive uh, system that allows to organization to exchange information you need to restrict certain access right yeah. so it, it's just uh, some some of the departments they operate in some regulated environments mm-hmm. and it's, it's important to to have this ability so that's why implementing uh, role based uh, access control or access um, um, access control lists yep. yeah yep. these kind of things it's uh, also uh, one of the things that it's it's kind of in in the edge in in um, um, like DevSecOps and um, the, the the data ops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess at the end of the day, you know, the only reason you're doing this is to meet the business goals. Yeah. Um, and what are they? Because normally this kind of journey is it's cuts across the organization. Like it's not saying, hey, I've got excited about Kafka. It's about doing what you said. Looking and understanding what the business goals, I need to look at security first. I need to make the scale across the organization. I have a system that needs to be 24 by 7. I have a system that's cloud native. I have a system that's going to change and evolve over time. So the things that we mentioned around um, schemas, Avro supporting data evolution, 
um, the fact that you're using an event-driven or event streaming system which supports um, the ability to have different types of reactive processes um, change over time as the business changes, um, the ability to run 24 by 7 mm-hmm. um, and then scale na- natively on the cloud are the things that should be the goals of your your DevOps DevOps world. Mm-hmm. So by the time that pipeline gets to do continuous delivery, you know it's going to scale. Mm-hmm. You know it's not going to fail any of the back testing, and you know what's going to behave like if there is an outage. So all of these things are fundamental things that go into to, to try to plan this out. I guess our, our function in this is enabling everyone on that journey with well, like the tooling that that you were talking about, Victor. Yeah, from um, from beginning, like starting from uh, developers, and usually um, developers e- are um, driving. Uh, driving force of this uh, innovation these days and like bringing some of the uh, new and shiny tools that allow them perform tasks that the business uh, that put on them more mm-hmm. efficiently. So that's why uh, the rise of some of the open source tools and rise of these sort of like automation things that people try to do more efficiently. They want to do their jobs uh, more efficiently, implement things um, and, you know, do stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. So, um, so we touched we touched the uh, some of the aspects of this like uh, client uh, maturity or like uh, the organizational maturity, right? So we start from uh, start journey from uh, the implementing basic and simple uh, pipelines that we don't touch, um, we don't code anything. So where um, so with the, the stream processing, where it, where it actually relies, uh, where where it the places. So we have this streaming platform that can move the data around, but uh, can we do something? We we can do something in in between, right? Um, and uh, where and when you should you know start talking, thinking about this in um, in the world of uh, data ops, like or Dev Kafka ops, right? So when the when uh, you have infrastructure, you have a scalable infrastructure, you um, have organizational uh, clarity. What kind of data goes where? You already solve some of the access and restriction, and uh, everything is secure from from point A. Okay, so you have this data flows. Okay, mm-hmm. now. We need to, you know, have some start extracting some data in the the with streaming. It's a it's a device, right? So it's sitting there and allows us to generate some sort of like a derived data of um, the data that was available somehow to us. So like where uh, where the stream processing lies and like what's the your what you see uh, from the customer perspective when they start um, impl- on the on the what. The level of their maturity, they start implementing like a stream processing. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. You know, most people start with Kafka, think they're just going to use it to move data around. But if you think of it as a pipe, you know, a pipe's not necessarily just going to have one destination, and it's not necessarily going to be consumed by one customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you look at you know market prices coming off the street, um, or even some kind of sentiment analysis coming off social media, there's there's going to be multiple users for that that one set of data. Mm-hmm. So, how do I take that pipe, slice it up, and send it off those off to those destinations? And that's a data flow, which mm-hmm. is what you said. Um, and so, using uh, like stream processing, uh, Kafka Streams, or something like KSQL, um, 
gives you the ability to, to filter that data, to do a fan out, mm-hmm. to, to classify and, and break that part of it, that data out into to multiple streams. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing you can do against that data as, it, as it's in motion, a bit like a, you know, turning the database inside out, where you view that the log of the data mm-hmm. is the transaction log, but the yeah. relational table is just a view against that. Yeah. So we have exactly that same semantic with stream processing. Mm-hmm. So while we can take this stream of, of data and we can fan it out into multiple streams, we can also take a view against that. Yeah. So each of those streams might tell me how many people are accessing my system at the moment, how much money is being spent, what's the user experience, what is the user experience, and they might be three separate stream processes all processing the same set of data, right? But different views against that, and, and that's, these views are constantly updating in the all in real, the real time. time. So, so there's two aspects to this. It all comes down to the fact that the data is in motion, mm-hmm. and it's not. The view is is not just um, something you go and request the information from. The view itself emits events, yeah, and and that's that's really fundamental because it's it's it also kind of you can derive some of the data stream out of this view. Yeah, so you can build reactive logic to drive other stream processes, exactly. and then you create this topology of interconnected stream processes, each giving you views of the data or driving logic. Maybe they're driving alerts, maybe they're driving monitoring, maybe they're doing customer reporting. Um, so this this real-time data in motion is creating reactive processes, mm-hmm. um, and they can be sliced up to... Um, so, so one thing I talk about when we're building these types of systems, I call them the, the four pillars of, of building um, streaming the streaming architecture. And you have your core business function, which is what we were talking about there. And there might be people purchasing something. But the, the thing is, when you send events through a system and people are sitting down architecting a system like this, they say, well, how do I, how do I know that that event has actually gone and triggered everything it needed to? Yeah. How do I trust it? Yeah, and you want to talk a little bit about observability and uh, exactly. tracing. Exactly. So, so the, there's the four pillars that, yeah. that we talk about. You have your core business function, which yeah. is where everyone starts their mm-hmm. thinking. The second aspect is the trust plane, mm-hmm. and the trust is um, observability. Mm-hmm. How do I know the system is, is functioning? How fast is it going? It's a bit like driving a car without a speedo yeah. um, and a, yeah, an indicator to tell you how yeah. much fuel's left in. You don't know what's happening. You're just not really sure. You, th- yeah. you, you, you think you're moving fast because like, this is how the trees mm-hmm. are changing over mm-hmm. there, but like, how fast? Like, and where is like, uh, the threshold where you can just you know, crash? Yeah. So you need to know that the system is behaving, whether customers are getting bad experience. So that's your that's your your second pillar. The third pillar is the control plane. Mm-hmm. This is data in motion. Mm-hmm. I might want to stop some of that data that's in motion. I might want to pause it. I might want to I might want to scale some of some of it. So the control plane in large scale distributed systems, particularly the likes of the massive cloud behemoths like Amazon, if you have an S3 outage or you have a Google Calendar outage like <laughs> happened earlier in, in the week, yes. um, the control plane is the thing that allows you to bring something at scale back on, back online gracefully. Um, unfortunately, Monday seems like a massive <laughs> um, uh, problem for the likes of Google. Yeah, just a, but, just a bad, bad Monday. So Yeah, bad Monday. And then, and then the last but not not least is the operational plane. How do I drive this thing? How do I how do I how do I know what it's doing? But how do I have a look at the logs? Um, do I need dead letter queues? What events are happening in the system? What alerts do I need to configure? 
Yeah. And so the operational and, plane. And also, like, you can get all these uh, kind of alerts. It's, um, it's easy, more or less. It's, it's, it's possible. There are tools. However, getting, um, something that, like, semantically, uh, tied to some of business functions, for example, yeah. like, are those alerts uh, actually meaningful for business? Like, we're losing some messages. Are they actually will be affecting our uh, revenue flows and things? Exactly. Like that? And so the observability is, is not, is my CPU spinning up? Yeah. It's not, am I nearly, is my file system nearly out or my, my network saturated? Is, is my business meeting its business metrics? Exactly. And that's what we talked about when we're talking about CI, CD pipelines. You know, everything needs to be aligned with the goals of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's the same case here. The nice thing about this, which is what we're talking about, is the decoupling. So each of these can have their own CI, CD pipeline. Each of them can be built and operated by different teams. But it's all part of one system. Mm-hmm. But it's also part of a larger view where, that you can scale across the organization. Right. So that's where the beauty of event streaming up architectures like Kafka have a real natural affinity with with DevOps. Yeah. So where so we we start we start from like very bottom um, bottom up uh, bottom uh, the, where we just developing this like a small apps we're focusing on the code mm-hmm. we go bringing this code we're testing this code we bring this into CI/CD pipelines now we have this uh, alignment between the organization we have a data governance configured we can like uh, uh, not only move forward but we can go like from the different environments and things like that mm-hmm. what would be next like uh, for the last uh, few minutes that we have this uh, in this episode uh what you see like say in in 10 where we're getting our customers like where we're heading so in the we kind of like as a uh, event streaming organization uh we spearheading this evolution of uh dev kafka ops or data ops so this is why like uh what we see, how this stuff will change in future, or like what uh, customers will keep pushing us, because it's all about what they need to do and what we can uh, deliver to them. Yeah. In your opinion, just like we can just can just do like a science fiction <laughs> conversation. Still, no one is listening to this podcast, though. So. Uh, I, I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess the the thing that's interesting about this is we we say we're on a journey. Um, and some people will say we're 50% of the way there. But that 50% isn't necessarily the technology, it's the wet, the awareness of that technology and what it can do. And the technology is going to continue to evolve, but the population of people trying to build systems around this is going to continue to grow. And that the, the value prop around this is not that we have data, it's that we have data that moves. And because we have data that moves, we can build systems that react and, and meet this changed expectation of Netflix, of everything on demand. You know, if I want something, it just happens. Mm-hmm. But it's driven by events and reactions. Yeah. And systems are architected like that. And that's why things like digital transformation and real-time business, all of these things that everyone's trying to achieve now, they'll continue to evolve. They'll continue to get easier to use, continue to get more cloud-native. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's why we're seeing the serverless movement tie into some of this. Um, the difference is... And the cloud it, native not necessarily means that like just bringing everything to Amazon, right? No. It's, it's, a, it's something where you abstract from underlying hardware. You can yeah. think about, again, business function. You need to just increase consumptions because you cannot keep up with the rates of uh, information that come in, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the velocity. Yes. It's the sheer velocity of data that's moving and the ability to drive 
and, and model the business. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So we are uh, we're trying to keep these episodes in uh, the the commute size. So like usually, uh, or maybe like California commute size. Um, uh, Neil, thank you so much for being at the Crazy Russians and DevOps. Uh, thank you for uh, finding the time to chat with me and uh, providing these uh, cool insights for for our audience. Uh, and uh, thank you for uh, being with us. Uh, stay tuned for new episodes of uh, Crazy Russian DevOps. And as always, have a nice day. Thank you, Crazy Russian. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Crazy Russians in DevOps. As always, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes and rate this show to show your support. And as always, have a nice day. <laughs>